Welcome to The First 10 Years, a career podcast focused on learning from our past to propel us into the future. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin. I'm a communications professional, career and finance writer, and a career changer. But most importantly, I'm fascinated by work and how it fits into the bigger picture of life. I love to ask questions and want to know everything there is to know about how to have a successful and fulfilling career. On the first 10 years podcast, I'll reflect on my career journey thus far and invite other professionals and experts into the conversation so we can learn together how to turn the first 10 years of our career into a foundation for our ideal future. Hello, and welcome back to the first 10 years podcast. I can't believe it's already December as this comes out. It's December 4th. I'm currently sitting next to my beautifully lit Christmas tree that my family put up this weekend, and I'm just so excited to have all of the festive lights and the fun. Um, this is such a fun and magical time of year, and I'm excited to to celebrate with friends and family, and I hope you are too, but it's time to get, get cozy, get comfy um, as we tune in for episode seven. This week, I'm really excited to be joined by Tanya Montella. I was recently a guest on her podcast, the Corporate Confidence Podcast, and I'll be sure to link that in the show notes. But I really enjoyed my conversation with Tanya, and we talked a lot about confidence in the workplace. It's something that is so important, no matter what stage of your career you're in, but I think especially during those first 10 years, because it's often, it's probably likely that you're not very confident at all in those first 10 years. Um, it takes a lot of, I think in time, in my experience, time and experience, and we dig into that in the conversation. Um, but it, it's something that you, you harness and you foster as you, you gain more wisdom and you go throughout your career and you, you really have to earn that confidence through experiences. And, um, but I think there's some other ways that you can kind of, expedite that process and feel more confident sooner in your abilities and what you're doing at work. And we dig into that. Um, So let me share a little bit more about Tanya. Tanya Montella is an acclaimed entrepreneur and career coach sought after by top tier organizations to speak to their employees about confidence and fulfillment in the workplace. She's been a serial top performer at Fortune 500 companies, navigated six career changes, achieved senior leadership positions, and some impressive salary increases along the way. Her expertise extends beyond professional success as she supports and empowers women who feel stuck in their careers, unleashing their true potential by landing jobs that excite them and earning the pay that they deserve. She's a self-published author, blogger, public speaker, fellow podcaster, and CEO of Tanya Empowers LLC. I really enjoyed this conversation. It was a fun to fun to continue the conversation from her podcast and bring it on the first 10 years. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tanya. Hi, Tanya. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thank you for allowing me to be here. I'm so excited for this conversation. Yeah, I had the pleasure of being on your podcast, Corporate Confidence, um, recently. So I'm excited that the tables are turned now. We had such a great conversation and now we can continue that here on the first 10 years. Absolutely. I've been waiting for <laughs> for this since we recorded that one, waiting for this moment. So full circle. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So I'd like to kick off all of my conversations learning more about my guests and their journey. So I'd love to know 
uh, what the first 10 years of your career looked like, starting with what you wanted to be when you grew up. Ooh, so funny enough, what I wanted to be when I grew up was a child psychologist. Wow. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. I think um, I've always had a, a love for children and I've always been very interested in human behavior and like what uh, makes a person do the things that they do. And I realized early on that, well, a lot of things that we do in adulthood stems from our childhood. So I wanted to be a child psychologist. Now, what type of psychologist and how that's where things were fuzzy. I, I had it in my head and I don't know if this is a real thing. I think just watching TV, I was like, oh, I want to be behind like a double-sided mirror where they can't see me. And I'm just observing, you know, someone that's like working with a child to place toys and like, you know, do things to see their behavior. And I'm observing and I'm analyzing and Wow. Wait, so at what age was this? Were you like a child deciding you wanted to be a child psychologist or was this maybe like high school? Yeah, no, the, the, good, good question. Uh, this was more high school for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So then what happened after then? Obviously, you're not a child psychologist. Yeah. You preface so, the conversation. So. Nope, definitely didn't go that route. So I did actually... I did start out um, my college degree in psychology because this was a real thing for me. <laughs> um, but I then pivoted because after talking to a number of people, I basically learned that like, if you want to do anything in the field of psychology, you need to go to school for your entire life. And I just wasn't into that. So, <laughs> so I pivoted to communication degree um, because at that time I was a very very shy and insecure young lady. So I knew no matter what I do in my career moving forward, I know that I need to improve on my communication. I need to get comfortable talking to people. I need to get better at it. Um, I need to not be so shy and, you know, um, afraid. So I went with a communications degree. Awesome. Is that what you graduated with? Yep. Yep. It was in communications. Um, part of that coursework, you know, was in marketing um, and advertising. So that's ultimately kind of where I landed when I stepped into my career. Um, I started out doing B2B marketing um, for a number of different companies, one of which was uh, a company that provided software solutions to government agencies. So, you know, pretty, pretty dry, I would call it <laughs> in terms of the, you know, what I was marketing and how I could market it, right? Um but I'm from Northern Virginia and being right outside of DC, there's a ton of government related businesses around there. So that was just the nature of things. Um, from there, you know, I, I went into the ad agency world, which was a lot of just grinding. You know, they talk about hustle culture. It was that I was spending hours, you know, midnight, 1 a.m., like pulling together reports and presentations for my clients to let them know how their advertising campaigns that I was running for them were performing. And it just wasn't what I wanted to continue to do. Um, so then I went into ad tech. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it, the first 10 years of my career really were like uh, the first four out of my six career transitions. That's kind of where I went from like B2B marketing advertising operations to being a, a customer success manager, um, but all within the tech or the SaaS space. Wow. So then walk me through where you were if 
the end of 10 years to where you are now? Uh, so at the end of my first 10 years, I was <laughs> a number of things, let's call it. Uh, I was a, a person who was kept in a box. Um, and whenever I tell people this, I, I, I always make sure to say, Yes, I was being kept in a box, uh, you know, in the roles that I held be for a number of reasons. Number one, it was because for whatever reason, I've always found that any role that I've held, I was the only one who could do that job or, and this is not a brag, but or the only one that could do it as good as I could just for purposes of tenure, you know, whatever, whatever the case might be. Um, so if ever the question was, well, if Tanya wants to move to this thing, like who's going to do this? It was no one. She's the only one. So <laughs> that's what I mean when I say I was kept in a box. And I always make sure to acknowledge the fact that like, though that was happening to me at that time, it's also something that I allowed to occur. So kept in a box, burned out for purposes of, I just explained, right? Like mm -hmm. only one doing the thing. And so I was doing often doing a lot, <laughs> wearing a number of hats uh, because I also thought that being a yes woman was the way to climb the corporate ladder. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but that that's kind of where I was then. And it is a complete, complete shift from where I am today. I have more ownership of my career. Like I'm not just staying wherever I'm being put. Uh, you know, I'm not uh, being that yes woman that I once was. I'm I have a much different perspective of my career and what role I play in my own career. And I have a whole different level of confidence as a, a person, as an employee, as a woman, as a mom, <laughs> as a, a wife. So I'm a completely different person, to be honest. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. Did you did you know <laughs> that in the time that you were kept in a box or was it more in hindsight once you realized what it felt like not to be in that situation? Mm hmm. Hindsight, for sure. Uh, I would say in the past, you know, three or so years, uh, I've done a lot of self-reflection. And so in that time, that's the retrospection that I had of like, wow, you know, when I was at that time in my career and felt like, well, this is the only thing that I can do because no one else can step in and do this thing. So that means I can't move to the next or even explore something else because I'm just trying to stay afloat with the work that I'm I've been I'm being given and that I'm mm -hmm. saying yes to. Right? Again, I, I played a part in it as well. Um, so yeah, it, it was a, a retrospective thing. I think you know at that time though, I did start to notice it. Um, and so I started to make changes to move away from that, which is what helped me to get to where I am today, but it really was out of desperation. Like it wasn't like a, oh, you know, I happen to notice this is what's going on. It was more of a, I'm noticing that my career is at a standstill. Like I was so used to being the high achiever and, you know, always just being given raises, uh, given opportunities for growth, given an opportunity to, to step into a leadership position. And it was around this time, you know, 10 years in, I would call it, that that kind of came at a standstill. And I was like, why? What's going on? I'm not used to this. I don't like this feeling. This is not <laughs> normally, you know, the way that, that Tanya operates. Um, so I started to slowly come to that realization. Oh, well, this is this is what's happening. You know, I, I 
have spent so much time just nose to the grindstone doing what people asked me to do and not not thinking about what I wanted that mm-hmm. that's why I'm being kept in a box. Let me let me take a moment to even think what what does Tanya want? So, it was a slow progression, slow realization, but fully retrospective, you know, uh I guess epiphany that I've had yeah. <laughs> in the past couple of years. I have to ask because you said something that I relate to and that's working somewhere that you're working really late hours. You're working until midnight, one o'clock in the morning. I've been in that situation. And I don't know if it's like talked about as much when situations like that happen. So like, did you think at the time that that was normal? Like what was your perception? Because to me, that was just like what was expected and I just did it. And then thinking about that now, I was like, there is no way that I would think that that's okay to do that. So what what was your experience? <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's so true. I, I would, I would not. No. Uh, so I agree with you there. I think at the time it was, um, it was normal. Also, in the ad agency world, like you're just, I mean, you're at the beck and call of your clients, and you're running their advertising campaigns for them, usually at a very high price. For me, I was responsible for over a million dollars of um, digital advertising budget for, you know, one of the largest insurance companies in the country. So it was a lot of pressure, which I think, I think is what bred that, you know, I'll do whatever it takes. Like it's, it's such high stakes. And again, I was the only one responsible for that million dollar budget um, that it just kind of like, I felt like it's what needed to be done. And I think because, you know, in the ad agency world, it's so, it's such a grind, I would call it. Um, I didn't think, I didn't think anything of it. And, and also too, I was fairly young in my career. And so I just was like, Oh, this is just what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. So where are you now? You had this epiphany, you've had this time for reflection. What are you currently doing and what are those roles and responsibilities? Yeah. So I'm doing a lot. Um, in my corporate role, I am <laughs> in my corporate role. I'm the senior manager of a global sales enablement team, which means that I'm responsible for overseeing the different functions of that team, which is inclusive of, uh, you know, running the onboarding program for new sales and service uh, reps that come through the door, making sure that they understand all the products, they know how to effectively prospect and sell it. Um, or support the clients once they're on they're on that package. Um, to anytime there's a new offering that's delivered, uh, making sure that everybody, whether they're new or they're tenured, fully understands it. Um, what else? Uh, being responsible for you know consolidating kind of sales communications and being that single source of truth for all the things that everyone wants to update sales on and kind of making sure that I'm the one reducing the noise and I'm, I'm that single source, like I said. So it's a number of things. Um, but in addition to my corporate role, I am a business owner. So I'm a career coach for women and I'm helping women to transition careers because again, I've done it six times myself over the past 18 plus years. Uh, and then for those that are in that role and love it and just want to kind of level up, um, I help them with that as well. When did you realize you wanted to step into that space? Mm. <laughs> so it's funny because you're talking about the career coaching, right? Right. Yeah. It's funny because 
I often get asked this, like, what made you want to do it? How long have you been doing it? Those are the types of questions I get. And I feel like it's just always been a thing. It's hard for me to pinpoint how long I've been doing this for because it's been, you know, over the past decade, I would say. I think people within my circle of family and friends just have always perceived me as like the career woman. I think because, you know, I was often, like I said, climbing the ladder. I was often stepping into jobs at companies that were young and exciting. And it was in the the ad tech space and, you know, um, doing fun things. And I would share that. And so people would think like, oh, wow, she's not only is she excelling in her career, but she's like, you know, at these companies that are doing fun, new and exciting things. Like, if I want advice, I'm going to go to her. So people would just organically come to me or send their family members my way for advice. Typically, it was around like resume help for whatever reason. Um, People were coming to me for help with their resume. And so uh, I noticed uh, about two years ago that people started coming to me more frequently, but also the nature that they were coming to me with questions about was more deep. For example, instead of just help with their resume, they would come to me with things like, you know, I really want to change what it is that I'm doing. I, I know that the thing that I'm doing now or the things that I've done in the past is not what I want to keep doing, but I have absolutely no idea what I do want to do next. So like, how do you figure that out? Like these much larger questions that went beyond just resume help that I said, well, clearly there's something here. People are seeking me out and have done so for years, but also... I am far more fulfilled out of these conversations that I'm having with women and the guidance that I'm giving them and what they're getting back from it than any job I've had in corporate America, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> so that's kind of what sparked it was me realizing, let me just go full force and lean into this fully and more proactively offer this type of support than just doing it when people came to me, you know. I love that. And I think that often our superpowers are those things that come so naturally to us. Like you said, people always turn to you for advice and maybe you didn't think anything of it until you kind of connected the dots in your head. I think that that's such a beautiful thing to be able to give back and share your um, your gift in that way to other people in a way that um, benefits them and fulfills you. That's, that's really exciting. I think that's what we're all trying to aim for here. Um, so how would you say yeah. that's a really big shift from when you started your career to where you are now? How would you say that your definition mm-hmm. of a success has changed from when you graduated college to where you are today? Oh, man, it's just so funny because like <laughs> you're making me realize that like when I say the person that I am today is so different than, than who I was before. It's true in every aspect. Cause when you ask the question around what was my definition of success and how does that compare to today? Like, again, completely different. So, uh, early in my career, I would say my definition of success was accolades and pay raises. I mean, (laughs) I, I feel like, you know, that's something that has stemmed from childhood. Like, I always felt more valued and more seen whenever I was achieving something, right? So that kind of transitioned into my career, you know, as an adult. Um, the the thing that was most celebrated and that was most sexy, so to speak, was like landing jobs at these, you know, well-known companies, um, climbing the ladder and getting these raises and these promotions and like really, you know, achieving, achieving, achieving was was my measure of success. Whereas now, (laughs) 
I mean, it's more about freedom and fulfillment, right? Like, am I actually happy in what I'm doing? Um, do I feel like I'm bringing value or am I just getting a paycheck and going home? Like, it's more of the deeper, more meaningful things than just surface level, like, again, awards and and money. <laughs> you're speaking my language as you're, I was like, I know you can't see me, but I'm like nodding. I was like, yes, like you, that's exactly, I think how I've, I've realized my definition has changed over the years because that's what you grew up to believe that, like you said, that you're, you get that external validation of the title or the company you're working at or what your, your salary and compensation is. And it's hard to make that shift. Um, I've been having all conversations with, with my circle of people and with myself of how does that shift happen? Because at some point, if you say you're climbing the corporate ladder and you reach CEO, like there is no what's next. Like that's, that is the top of the top. So like, how does that person find fulfillment? Like at some point you have to get content with mm -hmm. where you are and be comfortable being in a spot where you enjoy the work that you're doing. It's fulfilling to you. Like there isn't always going to be a next rung or a next level to, to hit. At some point you have to be okay with that. So it's almost important to start that sooner rather than later. You don't want to get to the top and realize like, that's not what you want. Like we should all be able to find that satisfaction and fulfillment in our current roles. It's something I am always noodling on and still struggling with, but <laughs> I think it's, that's kind of the theme that I've heard um, from talking to other people as well. Yeah. I mean, one realization for me was like, you know, climbing isn't always the thing. Like some people just want to be great at what they're doing. And, you know, the next rung on the ladder is not kind of in their purview or is not what they desire. And knowing that that's okay, again, completely yeah. different from where my mindset was when I was younger. Like, yeah. that's all right to just want to be great at what you're doing and stay right there and be be comfortable and be confident and, you know, just upskill yourself, you know, at that level. And, and that's totally fine, too. So I think that's a, a different mindset shift that I've also gained over time. Absolutely. And I've, I've met people like that. And I it's taken me a while to wrap my head around it because, like you said, that's not the way I think. I was like, <laughs> but you should want to do other mm -hmm. things. Like, and so they'd be like, I'm okay with this and this is what I want. I was like, oh, like people think differently than me and that's okay. So how do you <laughs> <laughs> work together and, and whatnot? So yeah, it's it's super interesting. So I wanted to bring you on today to talk about the topic of confidence because I was a guest recently, as I said, on the Corporate Confidence Podcast and you're a career coach. This is really where you thrive talking about these these topics. So I wanted to dig in and talk about how someone can begin to build confidence in their career. Where should someone start? Mm -hmm. What a great question. Um, and I don't know if this is what people are going to expect me to say, but <laughs> <laughs> this is my answer. Honestly, in my opinion, it starts at just doing something scary to show yourself that you're capable and starting small. Um, you know, I think of things like something as little as, oh, you know, I, I tend to be afraid to just speak up in meetings. Like I'm, I think about my old self, like I'm very shy, you know, I, maybe I feel like I'm not sure I have value to add. And, you know, so I just typically sit in meetings quietly. Like that's one thing, right? Taking, taking a leap of faith in yourself to, 
make sure that the next time you're in that meeting, you're speaking up at least once, right? Hopefully twice <laughs> um, to, to overcome that, that fear, that hesitation, those limiting beliefs that, that might be preventing you from doing the thing that you're hesitant or afraid to do. Uh, because once you once you do that once and you kind of get into the progress of overcoming that fear, because usually it's rooted in a lack of confidence, right? Like mm-hmm. somebody doesn't want to speak up in a meeting. I'll use that example again. It's, it's typically because they think, oh, I'm going to say something silly or something stupid or I'm going to ask a question that's already been answered. And, you know, it, it's those types of things that are, are, are again, really tied to, to a lack of confidence. And so once you do something that is very scary to you and you find yourself on the other side of that being like, oh, that actually wasn't so bad, <laughs> then you prove to yourself that you're capable. And something like that, even something so small like that becomes far more easier to do time and time again. And you find, and I'm, I'm saying this by experience, you find that then you're, uh, you're more motivated and you're, you're I guess, more uh, – like you're less afraid to do larger things, right? So maybe it starts out as speaking up in meetings and then it turns into, well, actually I've been speaking up in meetings now for months since I overcame that fear and actually like I'm quite involved in the conversation. I'm adding value to it and people are now seeking me out for my opinion when you know questions come up. And now I'm to the point where I think I want to propose a new idea. Like I've seen how things operate here and I think there's a better way. And so now I'm going to actually propose an idea. And uh, that's scary to me because I don't know how it's going to be taken, but I'm going to propose it. And then you propose it and usually people will say, great idea, go do it. <laughs> and so you then go do it, right? You go do it, you execute on it, you you know prove to yourself that you can. Um, and it just kind of grows from there because I think once you once you overcome your hesitations and your fears and you do something that's a little bit scary to you and again, start small – it becomes less scary. You start to grow confidence in yourself and it just builds from there. I love that. I think that's so actionable because I think you can even start doing those things outside of the workplace, like do something in your your personal life that scares you. Like, is it calling the doctor when you don't want to call the doctor? You know what I mean? Like little things like that, that mm-hmm. can give you that confidence and build it up over time. Um, which leads me to my next question, because we got into this a little bit on your podcast, but do you think that confidence comes quicker with experience or with time? Is it something that you just kind of have to wait out and see how things progress? Or can you kind of expedite that process to become more confident? Yeah, I think it's experience over time. Can I, am I allowed to blend the two? Yeah. <laughs> experience over time because you know you got to you got to get into the practice of doing these things and you you have to again do these things that are typically scary when you lack confidence so if it's speaking up if it's advocating for yourself if it's um you know doing doing something that you're just afraid or hesitant to do or saying something that you're afraid or hesitant to say um, that takes practice. And so, like I said, like starting small and then kind of getting, getting into the habit of doing it and having that become more easy takes time. But again, you got to be doing the work. So I think if you're doing the work, then over time it will come. So that, that's the reason I kind of want to, if I can 
blend That's the fair. two. That'd be my answer. It was kind <laughs> of a trick question, to be fair, but I think I think you're absolutely right. It's it's a blend. It's a blend of both. Um, and something else we've talked about before is the fact that we're both more introverted. That's more of where our natural tendencies lie. So talk about that relationship between being an introvert and being confident, because I don't think those are always used in the same sentence. I think typically when someone's like, oh, they're confident it's because they're extroverted. But how can someone whose natural tendency is to maybe be alone by themselves with their thoughts be confident in the workplace? Yeah, what a great question. <laughs> uh, so I actually think, I mean, I don't, per, perhaps my my perspective on it is a bit different from what people normally think about when they think of, like, a, I think what we're talking about here is a confident introvert, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, when I say that I, by nature, am introverted, it it simply means that if I had the choice, I would keep to myself. Like if I'm in a room, uh, you know, I'd rather just observe, people watch, love to people watch, um, you know, and then choose who I want to engage with rather than having people come to me and then maybe find myself in conversations that I don't want to be part of. And then I'm thinking of my exit strategy. Um, or if I had to choose, you know, when I have alone time, which as you know, as a, a, a mom is few and far between. When I have alone time, am I going to choose to go out and be with people or am I going to choose to be alone in in my quiet space? And it's the latter. So that's what it means for me. But it does not mean that I don't have the ability to flip that switch when needed. So, uh, you know, when I'm in the workplace, I am able to converse with people and to say hello, you know, when I'm passing by somebody, uh, when I'm in a meeting, you know, speaking up and adding my perspective or adding a question to make sure it's thought of uh, during that meeting. Um, I can do these things because I've had the practice over time. Uh, But I can also do those things because having done them over time, I can see that, oh, I actually do have something worth adding to the conversation and, and knowing in my heart that like, I bring a ton of value. So I think that's kind of the way that I think about it in terms of like being a, a confident introvert, but being able to flip that switch to be extroverted in the moment of need so that you're more visible in the workplace. People know who you are. Um, people are friendly with you and therefore your name is being spoken in rooms that you're, you may not be present in, like those types of things. So I think knowing how to flip the switch, which comes with practice, but also um, being comfortable in those moments and even sometimes choosing them is important, right? Like when I say being visible, so people know who you are, like you got to be at those happy hours. You got to be at those company events. Like you, people need to know who you are and getting into that practice of being around people. And then you can go home and be in your quiet space. Like (laughs) we can do both. Yeah. I think that's such a great analogy of flipping the switch because that's for myself, kind of what it feels like, you know, you're going into a situation like a networking event or a meeting or somewhere where you maybe need to be a little bit more outgoing and put yourself out there. And I know that's going to be really uncomfortable for me, but I also know you can, you can flip that switch, you can turn it on. And then I think on the flip side, knowing how to take care of yourself when it's done. So I also have a lot of anxiety and some of that comes from social anxiety. So knowing if I'm going to be in a room with a lot of people or in a really uncomfortable situation, I can be present for that. But then afterwards, I'm probably going to like need to go back and have some quiet time alone and be with my thoughts and decompress in that way. Because if I always operated at that level, I would just be completely burnt out. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I found myself in that space a lot and typically it shows up by way of me telling my husband like, Hey, I need some me time. Like I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be in the, in our bedroom, like with, you know, Netflix on and like, talk to me if you need to, but like, don't talk to me. So right. <laughs> I try and avoid it getting to that point. Yeah. You need to advocate for yourself in those times and be able to vocalize it. I don't think I always knew that earlier in my career, but now to the same thing, I can go to my husband and say like, I need to step away for a minute. Like, this is what I'm feeling. And mm -hmm. knowing that that's going to be respected so I can come back and be more recharged and refreshed afterwards. Um, you give a really great tip of doing one small thing to help boost confidence. Are there other tips that you would share for someone earlier in their career to become more confident at work? Honestly, I would say to lean into others. And what I mean by that is whether it be finding a mentor, whether it be, um, you know, leaning on a leader within the company that you you respect, that you admire, that you feel comfortable um, having conversations with, whether it be a career coach. And again, it doesn't have to be me, but just like leaning on somebody. And I say that because this was a big, a big miss on my part throughout the majority of my career, like over the first 10 years was not seeking out help, not asking for help or seeking out the guidance that in retrospect, I realized I really needed, especially in those moments where I doubted myself and I didn't have confidence. Had I had someone to give me that outside perspective looking in to say, actually, Tanya, I know you may not think that you can do this, but like, look at these things that you have done. Like, look at, you know, all these things that you have accomplished and remember, you know, the fact that like, you have been totally capable before. And so when it comes to this thing that you feel like you may not be capable of doing, maybe imposter syndrome's kicking in, who knows? Like you are more than capable. And just getting that outside perspective because I think oftentimes we miss that, realizing like, oh yeah, I have done some really incredible things. Or like if when it comes to speaking up, like I've done it in these other instances. So like I can totally do it here. I don't know why I'm <laughs> tricking myself into thinking that it's not, it's not possible. It's not a capability of mine. Like having that outside perspective, looking in and almost being your, your cheerleader to say like, no, actually you can do this. And like, if you feel like you can't, why don't we talk about how you can and like, let's practice it in this moment. Like things like that, having somebody like that, that you can go to for those types of things. Had I done that <laughs> early in my career, uh, that 180 that I talk about that I've, I'm now at, would have been achieved so much earlier and I can only imagine where I would have where I would be today you know right you don't have to do it alone like we have mm -mm. help and support out there and I think like you said having that person to to hold that mirror to you can be really eye-opening um sometimes you can do that yourself through reflection and things like that but I think we're really hard on ourselves too as women or we don't give ourselves enough credit so to have someone be in your cheerleader and and helping you navigate your career that's that's everything yeah oh my god for me I've realized my and it's something I still work on today like asking for help so ridiculous but like I've gotten better at it but you know there's still times where I don't and and I find myself in those moments that I'm hesitant to ask for help thinking to myself well if I ask for help it's going to show that I don't know how or like right 
I don't want to bother people with my problems or I don't want to, you know, like all these ridiculous things that I tell myself that talk myself out of asking for help. And then I kind of like shoo them to the side because I remember, no, Tanya, this has been the thing you've been doing for all these years and you've been scratching and clawing your way through all these different, you know, challenging things that you've been trying to navigate in your career. Like, let's ask for help. (laughs) Who cares what they think about you? You need the help and we're going to make sure that you get it. So that's this is a self-talk that I have with myself. <laughs> so I'd love to know, how do you think the process of building confidence and gaining confidence in yourself changes throughout your career? Because I don't know if at ever any point you're going to hit a state where you're like, I am confident this is the end. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's ever the case. If someone's like, if someone has that level of confidence, I would love to meet them. But you're obviously going to gain confidence as you grow throughout your career. But what does that look like from like the first 10 years to maybe where you are like mid-career and late career? Yeah. Uh, so I think I think you're going to find that you are confident in certain areas, right? Like when it comes to doing this particular job or this particular project, like I know I'm good, been doing it for a while at this point, <laughs> like I've got this. But then there's going to be instances that show up where you're like, oh, haven't run into this before and not so confident there, whether it be the first time you have to negotiate your pay or ask for a pay raise or a promotion or, you know, deal with bias in the workplace, like some of these, you know, heavier things like that when those show up, that's when, you know, you're really going to find new instances that are new to you. But once you get through them, you're going to say, okay, next time this shows up, I know what to do. Been here, done that. It might look a little bit different, but at least, you know, it won't be so, so completely new and so completely scary the next time this shows up. Um, And you just find those things. But to your point, you never reach confidence in every single area because there's no way you could, you know, uh, run into every single type of person every single type of scenario, every single type of project or task that you have to do. So it is in uh, a, a continuous climb, I would call it. <laughs> but um, you start to find certain things that you just you just know you're good at. And so when they show up, you're like, eh, no fear here. <laughs> yes. And I have to ask, do you feel like you're confident where you are currently in your career? I do. And I say that because I'm confident in who I am and what I bring to the table. Now, do I run into instances that are new to me? And so therefore I'm not confident when they happen? A hundred percent. But as it relates to just like me as a, a human being, me as an employee, again, me outside of the workplace. Yeah, I'm, I'm confident in who I am. I think, you know, being in the the workplace for over 18 years at this point, like, I finally gotten to that point, but um, it's, it's again, a very different place to be versus where I was in the first 10 years, <laughs> uh, but it feels Absolutely. Great. Awesome. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk a little bit about your work as a career coach. So I'd love to know what are some of the common career challenges that you hear from early to mid-career professionals and the women that you work with? Yeah. Many of them come to me, and I know I said this earlier on, but it's because of this. So many women come to me saying, 
I know that what I'm doing today or what I've been doing in the past is not what I want to do, but I have no idea what I want to do next. How the heck do I figure that out? <laughs> That's a common thing. Um, another thing that shows up a lot, this has come up in conversations in my, in my, um, my coaching community is the women there have shared, you know, a, a lack of confidence for advocating for themselves and particularly advocating for themselves while still being kind. <laughs> um, mm. We talk about how we're all people pleasers. And so we want to be able to say yes, but I often have to, you know, find myself coaching um, other women on ways that you don't have to say yes, but you also don't have to say no, because sometimes that can feel weird or like, you know, you don't want to be right. perceived as like uh, hard to work with, right? All these things that come up in our head. Um so it's ways to say no without saying no, uh, ways to advocate for yourself while still being kind and tactful and respectful, um, figuring out what the heck you want out of your career. It's, it's those types of things that, that seem to surface a lot among women that I'm speaking to these days. So what advice do you give to someone who's like, I don't want to do what I'm doing, but I don't know what's next because I've been there and I know like what I did to finally find a place that I enjoyed my work, but what, how do you advise women do that? Yeah. So of course I have a whole framework and a worksheet and like a whole process, <laughs> but for purposes of today, you know, I usually try to boil it down by taking a moment. And this is something I don't think we do enough of, particularly as women, but taking a moment to just pause <laughs> and reflect, right? So thinking back to like, what are some of the things that you've done, whether they be roles that you held or projects that you've worked on, um, activities that you've been part of, even if it's outside of the workplace? What are some of the things that you've really enjoyed, things that made you feel challenged in a good way, um, things that made you feel really accomplished once they were over? Um, what are some of those things? And when you do that, you start to notice some themes, which maybe this resonates with you, like, oh, a lot of what I like doing comes to like writing or communicating more mm -hmm. broadly. Maybe, you know, it takes you a while to get down to it's writing specifically, not speaking. But um, once you start noticing those themes, then it's like, what are you also really, really good at by way of what do you know you're good at, but also what do other people tend to tell you that you're good at? Um, because the idea is you want to really blend those two things. You want to be doing work that gives you a sense of fulfillment and a sense of accomplishment. Um, but you also want to be quite good at it so that you can excel or climb the ladder if that's what you choose, right? So that's what I often tell people. Right. There is such a beauty in slowing down to move forward. And it's hard. It's hard to do oh, that yeah. in today's world too, to pause and to feel like everyone else is moving ahead in their careers or their lives, but actually taking that time to be introspective and to figure out what you want or at least a little bit of what you want. There's so much value with that. That's basically what I did when I was going through my career change. It was kind of a process of elimination. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to do that. So what else can I try? Like, what's that one thing in my my current role that I'd like to do more of? And then moving into a role that does that. And then, okay, I like this thing, but not this thing. How can I do a little bit more of that? And then eventually over time, it got clearer and clearer. And in like hindsight, it makes complete sense. But it's just finding that one next thing that you like and knowing that you might have to settle for a good for now job or a good enough job versus your dream job before you finally get to a place where that's okay and you're a 
where you land is where you ideally want to be, but it's a process. And I don't think people talk about that enough, how long it could actually take to get there. It's not, uh, I'm in a role now that I don't like, and the next role is going to be perfect because I'm going to have everything figured out. Like you never have everything figured out. That's never the case. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So I'd like to wrap up our conversation by asking you what your biggest takeaways from your career thus far. Uh, I think the importance of self-reflection since we're on the topic, (laughs) Uh, just kind of like taking a moment to just look up and out and think about like, what's my world here? Like what's going on? What am I doing? How do I feel about it? Um, What might I want to change? Right? Like, that that moment, I think for me personally, being so like dead set on being such a high achiever and always constantly moving and shaking, like I didn't take a moment to look up. I remember one time being asked by um, a CEO at one of the companies I worked for, like, you know, what do you want to do in the next five years? And I said, God, I, I can't even think about what's happening next week. Never mind, like the next five years. Again, because I was so overloaded, like my bandwidth was stretched so mm-hmm. thin, I didn't. I didn't have the time to think about it and I didn't take the time. So there's that. And then the second thing is just going back to what we said earlier, asking for help again, like <laughs> had I done it so much earlier, I could have saved so many tears and so many like moments of doubt and, you know, lacking, lacking surety in the, the moves that I was making, the things that I was saying, the, you know, anything just had I asked for help or simply sought out the guidance that I truly needed at that time, it just would have been so much better. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Having that community and those cheerleaders, it's, it's really everything in your career and it, you can't start that too early. You don't have to hit a certain point that you can have a network and like that can start as soon as you graduate from college with your peers and your colleagues. It's yeah. Don't, don't sleep on finding those people. <laughs> They're going to be everything in your career. A hundred percent. Awesome. Well, I could talk to you all day. We have such good conversations <laughs> when we connect. And I'm, I'm so thrilled that you're able to be a guest on my podcast. But it, where can people find more about you and learn more about your career coaching and in your podcast? Yeah. So my website and pretty much everywhere uh, is tanyaempowers.com. My name is spelled with an O. So it's T-O-N-Y-A empowers.com. I'm Tanya Empowers everywhere on Instagram. Uh, The exception is LinkedIn. I'm Tanya Montella there. (laughs) Uh, But that's where people can find me. Yeah. Awesome. I'll be sure to include all those links in the show notes if anyone wants to reach out and connect with with Tanya. But thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a pleasure. Thank you, Danielle. This is great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode with Tanya Montella. I'll be back next week with another guest episode. If you've been enjoying these conversations in these first seven episodes, please take a moment to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, whether that's on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really does a lot to help amplify the podcast in other people's feeds. They can find this content and it really means the world to me. I feel every single like, rating, review, everything that you guys are putting out there. And to give you an example of what people are saying, this Apple podcast reviewer said inspiring and empowering and left a five-star review. They said Danielle is a fantastic communicator. And in her first episode, she shares why 
why she started the podcast and about her career journey thus far. She is relatable and offers a great perspective. Excited to hear more episodes and guests. Well, stay tuned because I'll be back with a few more guest episodes this month before we head into the new year. So I'm excited to share more, but please take a moment to rate and review. Um, Hit the follow button on Instagram at the first in years podcast. You can reach out to me um, via email at the first in years podcast at gmail.com. You can also find the podcast on TikTok at the first 10 years podcast. Um, I'm just excited to to be back. We're we're closing in on 10 episodes here soon. So thank you for being along for this ride and the journey. And I hope you have a magical and, and great start of December. Talk to you next week. Bye.